Welcome to Action Line. I am filling in for Kevin Allen today. I am Dano, and I have in the studio with me some Juno Chamber members today. I have Craig Dahl, your Juno Chamber Executive Director, Eric Forst, a past president, and I have Arena Dahlman, the Events Committee member and chairs for the Barrels, Bottles, and Vites, which we will eventually dive into at some point during this interview. Welcome to the studio, everybody. Hey, good morning, Dano. Good morning, Dano. Thank you. Really glad I could have you in here because I want to talk right out the gate Lifetime Achievement Award because it was a big one for 2022, and of course, well-deserved as well. So who's going to dive into this? I'll take that one. Thanks, Deno. Yeah, you know, I I was the president in 2021. My, my year ended in, in October. And traditionally, that's when we have our annual dinner. And at the annual dinner, we traditionally present our Citizen of the Year and our Lifetime Achievement Award winners. Of course, last year, we weren't, last two years, we weren't able to have our annual dinner, which was unfortunate. We're very excited we're going to have it this year. But we did uh, need to wait and, and get ourselves a, an opportunity to present those awards. So at last week's luncheon, we were able to present the 2021 Lifetime Achievement Award to our very own uh, board member, Bruce Denton, for his um, work all over the community over many decades in a variety of different capacities. But remember, most recently, and, and where I got to know Bruce was with the, um, uh, the relocation of the Glory Hall and the um, uh, building and opening of Housing First. And so Bruce has just done so much to, to highlight that issue and, and, and make it uh, an issue that we all can help deal with. And he got galvanized the business community to help um, make some real improvements to what the Glory Hall does and their mission of, of helping people experiencing homelessness. It is amazing to read and hear what he has done for the community. So definitely well deserved on that lifetime achievement award. Absolutely, and I, you know, there were you know even just at the luncheon, you know there were people. We had his daughter there speaking, and there's things he's done that I didn't have any idea about. I was like, I didn't know he did that, you know. So you know he you know, he he was of course a uh, two time Iditarod racer, you know. He's he's just done a, a, an amazing had an amazing life, and contributed greatly to Juno and Eagle Crest and just all over the community and he was very deserving of the award and I think we were successful in, in surprising and uh, and um, he was very touched by it I believe he definitely looked surprised yes. yeah I think he was <laughs> and we had we had fun presenting Bruce's uh, we call it his football theory yes but um, you know Bruce has figured out a way to bring the community together on certain issues when we disagree and we eventually, he, he, as he would draw his diagrams to show how this worked, we realized it was pushing uh, two footballs together to come up with an overlapping um, shape. Consensus, yeah. And you find the people in the middle that are willing to sit down and solve a problem. And, and uh, Bruce has done an amazing job with that. And he's done a lot of work just on the, on the chamber board. He's, he's our um, treasurer. Let's try secretary. Not a secretary. All right. I had a 50-50 shot. He's our secretary. And uh, he's been on the board for many years, and, and he does he does a great job, and, and we just appreciate having him there at the chamber and um, and looking forward to many more years of him um, being involved with the community and, and the chamber as well. And you can read more about Bruce over at KINYradio.com. They did a really nice write-up for him. Well, I'm glad we could have you guys here to talk about some of the stuff, and we're really interested in a really interesting survey that we saw that the chamber put on having to do with the sales food tax and exemption on food. So, Craig, do you care to share us this? Sure. And, you know, this has been – actually, this is an issue that's been on the table for many years, uh, off and on, the whole issue of sales tax, how to treat exemptions – um, several So several weeks ago, it's back on the table again, Jeff Rogers, who's the finance director, uh, did an excellent job of presenting to the assembly the options um, if they were to reconsider um, giving a sales tax exemption on all food for everybody in the community. And the second part of that would be the possibility of a sales tax exemption on utilities. 
And, um, you know, the idea is simply to provide an opportunity for everybody in Juneau to um, get a start, cut down on expenses, and go forward from there. The problem with that, there's a cost. And the cost for that, just the, just the exemption on food, um, I think the number ranged from between $6 million and $8 million. So the obvious question is, well, how do you make, how do you make that up? Uh, or do you make it up? Do you, do you just forego the income into the coffers? And so Jeff gave the assembly several options of exemptions, several options of uh, earnings opportunities. And um, so we decided we would survey our members, see what the pulse was. And they, so we sent out a survey specifically to chamber members. It was not an open, um, it was not an open survey. Um, we got very good response, and and actually we got some some interesting solid feedback on the direction that at least the uh, business members of the chamber feel like. So if I can just quickly run down those, um, you know, the first questions were, you know, are you in favor of exempting sales tax on food? And kind of interesting, I, I won't use the word. I guess I'll use the word ambivalent. But fifty three percent were in favor, and a little forty seven percent were, you know, opposed to it. So it's guess you can look at it and say more than half the people support support the idea and the question was put in postured of uh, without without consideration of how we might pay for it are you in favor of, of that exemption um, when we asked the same same question about utilities it was literally 50 50 50 percent said no 50 percent said yes um, again you kind of kind of left it with uh, go either way but then we got down to how do you pay for it and uh, the results were pretty, pretty definitive. Um, would you like to raise sales tax by one percent area wide? Eighty one percent said no, and uh, the balance eighteen percent said uh, uh, sure we could do that. Um, then we got into the question: Well, what about a seasonal sales tax? How about if we do that? And that has some other dynamics to it uh, besides just raising the sales tax. But the answer on that one was also seventy uh, percent said said no to that. And um, if that ever comes up again, we have a lot of information to why why the chamber would object to that to that particular proposal. Um, and then the last is, well, how about raising property taxes? That seems to be a current current hot topic. And the answer was uh, that was pretty clear. Ninety three percent said no, don't raise sales tax to to pay for this. So the assembly is really kind of faced with again the option of they can they can do all these exemptions and maybe they just don't increase anything and they have to figure out what it would adjust their operating budget. Um, I don't know how it's going. I have not. I've been traveling and I haven't had a chance to catch up with Mayor Weldon to see what the uh, pulse of the assembly is on the sales tax issue. But um, it's a complicated one. So. Yeah, it definitely is complicated, especially when you look at it. And even when you look through the survey, there seems to be no clear-cut answer on that. It kind of just goes, okay, these are the way that people are thinking, but how do we solve that? Well, yeah, I think I think it's clear-cut that people don't want us to, to raise taxes. Yeah, that's know, about the only thing that's, that's clear. That's pretty clear-cut, you know. <laughs> the, 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 that's really interesting to me that when you ask the question without asking how to pay for it, people are like, okay, maybe. But as soon as you say, this is how we'd have to pay for it, people are like, well, I don't want you to do that. So in some some senses, it's, it almost might be better to, um, uh, you know, not do anything at this point if if, if that's the the feel of, of the public. So well, and you know, when you just, I mean, just in general, we're coming out of COVID, we're coming out of economic recovery. Um, yeah, we're looking forward to a cruise season. Hopefully, that we'll get back on its feet. 
you know, maybe this isn't the year to be messing with it. Well, the, and we're already year. going into the fiscal year of 2023 with, yeah. what, a three and a half million dollar deficit anyways. So yeah. do we really want to add to that is the question. That's yeah. true. That's true. And, and I, I'll, I'll just touch on the on the seasonal sales tax. I think that gets talked about a lot. A lot of people think, oh, we'll just raise the sales tax in summer and the tourists all pay for it. But that's not exactly how that works. If you think about it a little bit and you talk to some of the business people in town, you know, a lot of that affects a lot of people you know, in the summertime when everybody's in construction season or remodeling or working on their home, putting their gardens in, doing all that kind of stuff, that's when you are tend to spend more money on that kind of stuff. And so all of that's going to get more expensive. And so locals are going to pay for that as well. So I'm not I'm not convinced that a seasonal sales tax is, is the way to go at all. I think it's, it's more complicated than it sounds for, for merchants, depending on your POS system and its abilities. And so there's a lot of questions there, I think, that, that should be looked at before they jump down that whole and and actually i did leave off the other important one and that's the uh, the single item sales tax and there was a question of should they repeal that single item or single service because right now there's a cap after you've spent i think it's twelve thousand twelve five there's no tax on the additional amounts but that's actually really important to a lot of our dealers especially the automobile dealers anybody that deals in large items mining equipment helps mining equipment but it helps them be competitive with pricing out of the other west coast uh, distributors and taking that off would really be detrimental so and just to remind folks you know we did several years ago um exempt jewelry from that mm-hmm. cap. So if you're downtown and you, in the summertime and you have a tourist and you buy a $50,000 diamond ring, you're paying taxes on $50,000. You're not paying the, the, the 12.5. They did make that carve out and I think that was a wise choice. So um, I just wanna make sure everybody realizes that. Well guys, we got word that the official purchase of the gondola system is moving forward. So how does the chamber feel about that? We think it's great. We do. I mean, uh, you know, uh, w- last week's presentation was was done by Mike Satry, who's the chair, uh, board chair of uh, Eagle Crest, and the reason he was giving the presentation is because Dave Scanlon was over looking at the gondola, and uh, over in Austria, right? Over in Austria, and I did get an unofficial report yesterday morning that the uh, Dave is totally impressed with the gondola. It's in excellent condition. Met all the people involved in the program. And, uh, you know, it's an opportunity to put Eagle Crest to work 12 months out of the year, enjoy the summer months and the winter months. And it's almost across the board in, in the down south that almost every ski area has adopted some, kind of, some type of summer program and investment in infrastructure. And, you know, this one kind of came out of the gate, as usual, with some controversy of the pros and the cons. But um, overall, this is just a great step forward for Eagle Crest. And what about the private investment by Gold Belt to actually help set this thing up? Well, I think that really almost endorses the uh, importance and the opportunity for this investment. And I think it's just step one. I know there's other plans for, you know, mountain coaster, more biking trails, uh, wintertime ski trails. And the gondola is just one step. And... um, I think it's a good decision. I think the public-private partnership is a great way to go, and I hope it works out. I know they're involved in negotiations with the city manager, and I'm sure they'll work through the issues that they may have. But, you know, this is this is how you get a lot of this stuff done in other, uh, on other communities. You have to have those public-private partnerships, and I think that it would really enhance Eagle Crest, like Craig said, on a year-round basis. Um, I think it really would put it on solid financial footing to do what a lot of us have wanted over the years, which is to get Eagle Crest financially on its own and not um, dependent on subsidies from the city. And I think that would really increase Eagle Crest's support around the community if it wasn't drawing on um, uh, the city coffers every every year. Exactly. And I think when people just look at the numbers, it looks scary when you first look at it and we don't know what the results are going to be. Right. I think the... um 
you know, the assembly was faced with a really difficult decision because, as you know, things take time. And this is one of those uh, opportunities that didn't have a lot of time around it. Um, so I compliment the assembly for their willingness to step out. I know there's been lots of discussions because, you know, they've been spending two million here and two million there, and pretty soon that adds up to real money. But, yes, um, yes, it does. I think it was a, I think it was a sound decision. And I think we're going to be satisfied with the results. Yeah, I wonder how many years it's going to take or how long it's going to take to actually recoup some of this. It's going to be interesting to see all of this kind of pan out, and I'm very, very excited to watch it all happen. Care to give an update on the North Crossing on Douglas Island? This seems to be another hot-button issue that's rearing its head again. So, well, If would, only the North Douglas Crossing would moved as fast as the gondola, right? That's right. Right. <laughs> right. Well, they're kind of tied together in a way. Um, now, Dana, I'd like you to not to use the words rearing its head again. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't feel quite right. Um, it's there again. Again. We're yeah, talking about it again. again. Uh, the North Douglas Crossing has been one of those initiatives that the Chamber's been supportive of for literally decades. And um, it's been studied, I will almost say, to death. Um, and came to a vote several years ago, and it was voted down primarily because of the location um, that was chosen. Uh, that was like more than a decade ago. Just yeah, long, and so we, we, brought the, we brought it back to the table uh, right at the last of uh, Mayor Kelch's uh, term. And we approached the mayor about putting money in the budget to initiate a new study on the North Douglas Crossing. And they agreed to do that. It took all the way until about six months ago. Um, wheels grind slowly. But the city and the State Department of Transportation came together on a memorandum of understanding of agreement. And that agreement allowed the state to go out and um, put out to bid a Pell study. And the city had uh, the money they appropriated was their 10% uh, 10 share of the total cost of a Pell study. And then they awarded that bid to Dowell Engineering. And so they've just now released all the information. It's on the uh, state DOT website. And uh, there are two, what Dowell is forming two working committees. One is going to be a technical committee. And um, we actually have, the chamber has a representative on that technical committee. And then we're also participating in the public committee uh, to follow that process through. Um, like everything else, the, the Pell study itself, which is kind of a phase, we'll call it a phase one or the next step in a, a total uh, um, NEPA environmental process, basically. But it coming it comes up with the best recommendations uh, faster uh, and, and eliminate the obvious ones that probably aren't going to be accepted. Um, it's, but it's going to be till spring of 2023 to work through that entire process. And then we'll see where we go. You know, I think that the good thing is, first of all, We've watched the bridge get hit twice. I was just going to say, I was, <laughs> right? just, I was just going to say, it's really become more of a safety issue uh, over the last four or five years. There's a lot uh, of safety concerns. When you talk about the opportunities for development out North Douglas, um, one of the things that became clear of, through the Department of Transportation is that the, the Juno Douglas Bridge is pretty much running at at, at uh, max capacity. Um, I read in one of the pieces of information yesterday, fourteen thousand vehicles a day uh, go back and forth over the bridge. So if you want to start other development out the road, um, something has to happen for better access. And of course, there's emergency services having an alternate route to Douglas Island in case something should happen to the other bridge. Uh, or fast- if something happens to Egan Drive going through the um, right. channel um, wall there. And of course, much faster access to the new gondola uh, by being able <laughs> <Right>? to drive <laughs> right straight across. Um, I mean, I think that everybody lives in the valley. We're blessed with having a ski area that you can reach quickly. 
But imagine how much more fun it would be to get there even faster. 14,000 vehicles a day. That is blowing my mind to even try to think about this. <laughs> on, 14, a yeah. Yeah. on a two-lane bridge. On a two-lane bridge going to these <laughs> yeah. small roads of Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> Who are all those people? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's 14,000 cars in Juno? Okay. <laughs> we are talking with the Juno Chamber right now. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to come back with Rena Dahlman, and she's going to be talking about some cool events coming up with the Chamber. We're back here on Action Line. I'm Dano filling in for Kevin Allen, and I have the Juno Chamber, Craig Dahl, Executive Director, Eric Forrest, a past president, and I have Arena Dahlman across from me. She's the Events Committee member and chair of Barrels, Bottles, and Bites. Rena, this sounds like a really fun event. Just the title just the title alone. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a ton of fun. It's a great opportunity to come out, have a great time while supporting the Chamber of Commerce. We're going to have, it's essentially a pub crawl, really. It's starting at the hangar, 6 o'clock on Saturday the 30th, and we're going to go from the hangar. We'll have food tasting and wine tasting by specialty, food tasting by the hangar. We're going to go to the Crystal Saloon. You'll get... Liquor tasting from Odom. You'll also have V's Cellar Door there with some food tasting. We're going to go to the Alaska Fudge Company, get some sweets in there. And at the end, we will have a beer garden put on by Alaska Brewing Company at the Red Dog Saloon. The Red Dog will also be providing uh, food tasting and Barnacle uh, Barnacle Foods will be providing a tasting as well. So there will be a lot going on. And in the beer garden, we will have fun events and entertainment uh, music by the Night Show Productions. At 8.30 p.m., we're going to have a drawing, our grand prize drawing, for two Alaska Airlines tickets, round-trip tickets, anywhere they fly, and two tickets to Haines from Alaska Seaplanes. So lots of opportunity to win. We'll also have a couple raffles. I think we actually have three raffles going during this only 50 chances to win on each of them we have two nine mile heli drops for six going out and we have a package of two power tools from don abel so we're excited that's a lot of sweet stuff going you you got you have have all your bases covered with the salty (laughs) sweet booze and beer music and prizes all wrapped up together into one event and the weather has promised it will be good for us (laughs) we'll see it should be a lot of fun we have an outdoor beer garden and inside the red dog lots of activities and fun happening uh what's the date on that when's that taking place the 30th of april starting at 6 p.m and then how do you get tickets for it tickets are available right now on the chamber website um, I think JunoChamber.com JunoChamber.com There Thanks, we go Eric. Thank you Eric <laughs> <laughs> And of course We have some upcoming Special programs Coming up too With some really Interesting stuff yeah, we do. Actually, the, we have one coming up next Monday, the 25th. Um, we're going to have Westinghouse in town, and they're going to be talking about their micro-nuclear reactors for power generation. And it's, it's literally a nuclear reactor the size of a um, container that you haul around. And it's designed to go into remote villages. And the first unit, I believe, is being permitted now um, to go up into, I think it's Elmendorf, but I could be wrong, one of the military bases up north. Um, you know, it's still in the, I'm going to call it the finishing design stages. It's not ready for primetime viewing, but they're on the road uh, showing the importance and what this, how this could impact, especially in Alaska. We're probably one of the first prime markets for this type of a product. And uh, so we're really excited to hear them. Then on May 10th, um, we have um, Renee Saad. Uh, she's actually an attorney that works with K2 Board of Directors. And we've had her before. We're going to be putting on an HR seminar. And it was really well received when we did it several years ago. And it's even more important now because as we come out of COVID, you know, we've all kind of been in a two-year hiatus for how do we how do we work, how do we manage, what are some of the issues. And there have been some changes that 
COVID has caused that uh, probably our business community will want to hear about. So we'll be publicizing that and looking forward to having Renee back for her presentation. And then who do we have this week? Oh, yeah. Robert Venables, Southeast Conference. Can't forget Robert. <laughs> Absolutely. And then his topic is putting Southeast back to work. It's going to be a good program. And I do want to stress, we are moving back to the Moose. Um, we've Finally. Been, we've been meeting down at Elizabeth Pradovich, but we are back at the Moose. They're glad to have us back, and we're anxious to be back with the group down right. there. And we have some new equipment there to make our presentations a little bit more um, easy to see. And it's going to be really nice to be back at the Moose Lodge. There's plenty of parking out there. So all of our friends in the Valley can uh, come to the chamber chamber luncheon, bring your friends, still doing our, our red marble drawings at the at the chamber meetings. It's a great way to network and meet, meet people around town. And a lot of people, we haven't done this in a while. So if you haven't been, you know, please come to the chamber luncheon. We're, we're always happy to see all of our members and non-members. They're open to anyone. You can come to a chamber luncheon. So um, please uh, make plans to join us at the at the Moose Lodge. One quick comment. The Monday meeting with Westinghouse, they are sponsoring the luncheon, but we do need you to register on junochamber.com because we have to have a head count because there's a max number we can get in there. Well, we're looking forward to this program and uh, should be a good day. And that's a special Monday program. We don't special normally do Monday, Monday programs. Program, so just everybody realize that one is on a Monday. Our, our normal luncheon is on Thursday at noon um, at the Moose Lodge should be every week going forward. So please um, mark your calendars and put that in your on your phone so you don't forget to go. And then make sure you head over to the website too. Something I really like to look at every week and I always talk to Craig about this is the newsletter that I get every single week from right. the chamber. It, there's always so much information in there, what's going on around the community, what the chamber's up to, and chamber events as well. That's so a sure great point, Dano. Yeah, Maggie, our executive assistant, has worked very hard on a brand new website. So go check out the new chamber website. And you're right, that newsletter is very handy. It comes out um, a couple times a week. I think it's great. So um, just sign up for that. All right, guys, I can't appreciate or I appreciate you really coming well, in here today and talking about all this great stuff that the chamber has going on. I think we should say, Dano, this is the first time you and I have had an interview face to face. We usually do it uh, over the air, over the phone. Yeah, for the past two years, every Thursday, I interview Craig and it is always done over the phone. I have never actually interviewed him face to face until right now. So uh, it's finally good to do this face to face. Very Craig. good. Maybe we can do it again sometime. Sounds good. Thanks, Dano. <laughs> you can download past episodes of Action Line. It's all over at KINY Radio. Radio.com.